based at Maynooth University, Ireland, and is kindly supported by the Public Service Innovation Fund. Studies show that people with convictions are largely drawn from the same groups who are underrepresented in higher education. The aim of Unlocking Potential is to increase access for people with convictions, including prisoners and former prisoners. Over six episodes, we'll hear from a variety of voices who will share their experiences and perspectives on the role of universities and colleges in supporting fair access and creating safer communities. We will address questions like, why is fair access for people with convictions important? How can we make this happen? And who needs to be involved? Hello, my name is Dr. Joe Garrahy, and welcome to this episode of the Unlocking Potential podcast. In this episode, we will explore the role of data justice, privacy, and GDPR in the Unlocking Potential project's aims to remove barriers and develop fair admissions policies and supports for people with convictions. Part of this project's focus has been on compliance with the GDPR because some higher education institutions' admissions policies are not in alignment with these laws. Some policies ask individuals with convictions to give up information about this part of their past, despite this information not being relevant to the course to which they are applying. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. TJ McIntyre, who is an associate professor in the Sutherland School of Law at University College Dublin and practices as a consultant solicitor with FP Logue Solicitors. He is also the chairperson of the Civil Liberties Group, Digital Rights Ireland. TJ's research and practice focuses on issues involving information technology law, cybercrime and civil liberties. And we are lucky to bring his expertise to this episode's topic. Welcome TJ and thanks for being with us. So can we start with the basics, please? Give a brief explanation for our listeners of just what is GDPR? Sure. GDPR stands for General Data Protection Regulation, and it's a European law dating back to 2016, which requires bodies which hold information about you to use that information only in certain ways and not to collect information about you um, where it's not necessary to do so, where it would be excessive to do so. Okay, so in terms of higher education, Why should institutions seek to limit the collection of this type of data? One of the fundamental rules introduced by the GDPR is that collection of data about individuals should only take place where it's genuinely necessary for a particular purpose. So it's not open to institutions to collect personal information on the basis that it is a nice to have. To have a legal basis to collect personal information, they must show that they have a genuine and substantial reason to have that data. In relation to information about people's um, past criminal convictions, there is an additional legal requirement. The GDPR treats these as a kind of personal data which is quite sensitive in its nature and therefore it provides that as a general rule this is information which shouldn't be processed it shouldn't be collected or used by entities unless they have a specific legal basis to do so 
So in this situation, if a university, for example, is collecting information about people's criminal records and they're doing that without a good reason to do so and without it being necessary and proportionate in the circumstances, then they open themselves up to possible fines under the GDPR by virtue of their collection of the information, regardless of what they then go on to do with it. So the data collection and management process practices of higher education institutions are a cause for concern then. This is a key issue highlighted by this project. So in your view, could an overly broad admissions policy be in breach of the GDPR? Those are significant risks which higher education institutions will surely wish to address. So what, in your view, would the GDPR compliant convictions policy look like? Well, the general rule here is that you have to assess the necessity of collecting data to begin with um, in any particular circumstance. And that means that you would have to do it on a course by course basis to identify when um, collection is necessary for the purposes and the uh, risks associated with that individual course. And to a large extent, this is already done by the legislative framework in relation to um, Garda vetting, where people are dealing with children or vulnerable adults in the course of um, their studies. So in that context, we already have a framework in place for um, accessing um, information about convictions and assessing um, the suitability of applicants for those courses. Outside of that, it's going to be very much more difficult to um, justify the collection of this kind of information. And off the top of my head, I don't see what other courses um, would justify this kind of invasive questioning. This provides the basis of a core component of the Unlocking Potential Toolkit, as it provides practical and accessible information on how to adopt a GDPR compliant admissions policy. Indeed, implementation is further supported by the provision of a policy template, which can be adapted according to the specifics of each institution. One of the principles of the Unlocking Potential Fair Admissions Policy is that applicants should not be asked about their convictions until it is necessary and justifiable. Your point about there already being a framework is well made. It appears that higher education institutions creating and perpetuating further policies and practices beyond that framework is neither necessary nor desirable. Consequently, this can and will likely be unjustifiable under GDPR, leading to breaches of GDPR. Let's now shift our focus to the most important people in this discussion, the prospective students. What advice would you give to applicants with convictions when applying to a higher education institution? Well, it's difficult to give general advice because this depends very much on your circumstances. And it depends in particular on the type of conviction, whether there's one or more than one convictions and how old the conviction is. But broadly speaking, let's say that people here fall into two categories. If they're applying for um, courses which um, have a guard of vetting requirement, then the answer is relatively straightforward. They can look up the guidelines in relation to that. They have to make disclosure in accordance with those guidelines. And in some situations, 
the law specifies that they don't have to make any further disclosure. The difficulty lies in relation to people who are applying to courses that are outside of that scheme where the university has taken it on itself to introduce a further, more um, expansive requirement. And in some situations, individuals might be entitled not to disclose that information. So under the Irish Spent Convictions Act, individuals are entitled to decline to provide information, even where it's requested, about certain kinds of convictions if they're deemed to be spent, which roughly speaking means that they are at least seven years old, that there is only one conviction and that the conviction was for a relatively minor offence of the type that's usually prosecuted in the, the district court. And this would include a lot of minor cases such as um, assaults, um, possession of drugs, shoplifting and so on. However, it's very difficult to give general advice on this because the legislation is very opaque. And in fact, it's very undesirable that an area affecting many people every year where clarity is important has been allowed to become so difficult to use. I think it's fair to say that any application process that may require the advice of a lawyer is problematic and beyond the reach of many people in the community and particularly those in marginalised groups, such as people with convictions. The project aims to simultaneously provide clear and accessible information for applicants in this area while addressing the policy that guides data collection requirements and data management at an institutional level. There are many links between this issue, the aims of the project and other concerns such as spent convictions as you've mentioned. The issues of compliance and the need for reform are highlighted here. You have written about the spent convictions legislation in Ireland and its compliance with the European privacy law. You've written about the spent convictions legislation in Ireland and its compliance with European privacy law. Can you outline your views on this topic briefly? Well, Senator Lynn Ruan has really led um, the push for reform in this area. And I entirely support her proposals here. I think reform is certainly necessary. The existing legislation is very restrictive in several dimensions. It's restrictive in that it only applies to certain classes of minor offences. It's restrictive in that it applies quite a long time period, seven years, for offences to become spent. And it's res uh, very restrictive in having this single conviction rule, which means that um, in general, only one conviction can become spent. And her proposals essentially seek to widen out all of these restrictions on a graduated basis. So, for example, the period after which an offence would become spent could be um, tied to the seriousness of the offence. Similarly, um, the whether or not um, an offence can become spent should be assessed based on the gravity of the offence itself rather than having a blanket rule that more than one offence means that you can never avail of the um, spent convictions legislation. And in fact, I think this kind of reform is necessary to comply with European law. So European privacy law does make it clear that 
states have to have some sort of spent conviction system in place to protect the fundamental right to privacy. And the Irish scheme is so restrictive that I doubt whether in its current form it would comply with those requirements. So blanket restrictions like this often do not affect everyone in uniform ways. So how might the current spent convictions legislation lead to marginalised groups in particular being adversely impacted and the exacerbation of existing inequalities? So the unfairness of the existing spent conviction regime has a number of dimensions to it. And the most fundamental is in relation to the question of how you um, access, you take advantage of the regime to begin with, because it requires a certain degree of knowledge that you're entitled to rely on the legislation, not to disclose information about old convictions. And in more complicated cases, it requires on having the legal advice or the other expert advice available to you to let you know exactly when you can and can't um, uh, make a disclosure of that information. So there's a disparity there. It, it um, rewards people who have access to um, professional or specialist advice and it makes it harder for people who don't have that, can't afford it, can't access it to understand their rights. Once again, the issue of compliance is highlighted here, but speaks to the need to address these broader, but certainly relevant legal and social inequalities. We see here the links between the local policies at higher education institution with Irish and European law. In this way, policies, laws and the lack of accessible information combined to impose significant barriers for people with convictions to move on with their lives and specifically in terms of this project, have fair opportunities to access higher education. You've mentioned the unequal access to information, an area where access to information is more widespread, but potentially problematic, is internet searches providing access to media reports of previous convictions. So if the spent convictions legislation changes and higher education institutions admissions policies change, is a person's right to be forgotten online an important aspect of this discussion? So while the spent convictions legislation is neutral, information about it isn't. The legislation is complicated enough that to understand when you have to make disclosures, you often have to get professional or at least specialist advice. And this is a disparity in that it um, benefits people who can afford access to that information and it penalises those who don't have it. So the right to be forgotten is a way to address an issue that has emerged due to advances in technology. Information about people's old criminal history naturally tended to fade after a while as um, newspapers were turned into the next day's chip wrappers, as people's memories faded. And technology has the effect of artificially promoting information about old convictions. And what we're seeing now with the spent convictions legislation, the right to be forgotten in relation to Google, is a kind of rebalancing that allows for memories to fade and for people to um, move away from their past wrongdoing. This very much chimes with the criminological research on people's efforts to progress in life, to reintegrate and to contribute to society. 
Indeed, among the guiding principles of this project is that none of us should be defined solely by a specific act, often our worst act or period in our lives. This very practical but profound and often overlooked aspect of the issue brings us to the end of this episode of the Unlocking Potential podcast. Many thanks once again to our guest, Dr. TJ McIntyre, for being with us and sharing your insights on this key element of the project to develop a fair admissions policies to higher education. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and look out for the next episode of the Unlocking Potential podcast.